invest in your people, invest in that training to take them to the next level because you are gonna get your investment back tenfold on your people. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and the co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76 So I turn 40 next month. And though I may not be a super old guy yet, I'm not exactly a super young guy anymore either, at least in my marketing world that's driven by new technology and innovation. For this reason... Ongoing learning and professional development have never been more important if I expect to stay ahead of the curve. My guest today is a manufacturing and automation guy who will tell you the same thing, but inside of his world of industrial controls. In fact, he and his wife have built their business around ongoing training of the workforce. Let me introduce him. Tim Wilborn does PLC training in Roanoke, Virginia with his wife, Amber, where their goal is to help you become a better technician. He started out working in a machine shop when he was 12 years old and eventually transitioned into industrial controls. Tim and Amber both quit their jobs while eight months pregnant with their first child and started TW Controls. They like to say they work together, parent together, and somehow manage to still live together. Nothing makes them happier than knowing that they have helped someone advance their careers, get a broken machine back going, or hear that a future competitor just started their automation company. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, man, you have got some guts going back to your bio. Eight months pregnant for your wife. Uh, you quit your jobs and start a company. Man, when I quit my job and started my company, I was 24 and I lived in an apartment that was about $500 a month with like two other guys and had zero responsibilities in life. Um, so I applaud anybody who is willing to take a real risk. And when you've got those kind of responsibilities, that's pretty cool. We just didn't know what those responsibilities really entailed yet. <laughs> Sometimes that works in your favor, I guess, right? Uh, a little yes. a little bit of uh, not knowing what's ahead. Uh, but that's pretty cool. I'd love for you to start things off by maybe just telling us a little bit more about your story and how it led you to where you are today. So I started out in a machine shop and actually my original intent, I guess, as a career was to be a mechanical engineer. So I grew up in a machine shop. I started out, you know, just cutting pieces for the machinist and, you know, doing little things and eventually grew that to where I could do basic machining and fabrication. And I worked at my dad's shop and I, I tell everybody that you can never pass your parent in capabilities because, you know, they have 30 years experience on you. And so about that time, companies were starting to want turnkey automation. So used to, you would build a mechanical piece of equipment, and then you would take it to an electrician. Then you would take it to a controls company, and then you would put the equipment into the end, I mean, the end user, and everybody kind of point fingers when things didn't work. And companies were wanting to say, hey, I want to purchase a piece of equipment. I want it to do this, and I want you to deal with all the headaches. 
And one thing we lacked was someone to do controls. And so it was kind of my opportunity initially just to, you know, try to do something that my parent, you know, my dad didn't know how to do. And I found that I had a knack for it. I was really natural at it. I really enjoyed it also. And so I spent many years doing that. I worked in maintenance at a very large steel manufacturer. And then I, um, I always like to say that, uh, you know, there are winners and losers in buyouts. And the company that I worked for got bought out and I was one of the losers. And in that, uh, we decided to quit and start TW Controls. And again, we were, yes, we were eight months pregnant with our son. And I'd love to say it was great from there, but, you know, we needed a marker. <laughs> we knew how to build equipment, but we didn't know how to sell a job. You know, we didn't know how to quote a job. We didn't know how to, you know, make first contact with a customer. We didn't know all of these things. So cash flow was really up and down a lot. Uh, you know, you get a project and you put all your money into it. You'd be broke. And then there's a gap in there to the next project. And I remembered something that a former employer had told me uh, when that when I went to work for them, he said, we're going to start selling air cylinders. And I remember thinking, why would we sell air cylinders? We build equipment. And he said, you need some small thing to pay those regular bills. And then you can use these projects to pile on the cash. And so I kind of remembered back to that. And I built our first PLC trainer. Now, it was a flop because, again, I didn't know how to do any marketing. I, did, I needed someone like you. And then we... Uh, we went on through, then we did find a few other small items, and eventually we came up with the PLC trainer we have today, again, mainly to pay those real basic bills. And then people started to ask, hey, well, okay, this is a great trainer, but can you provide us more training than just your videos? And so we started developing more involved courses, and eventually it, we, it came to our in-person courses that we do today. That's awesome. I love, I love how you got there and your, your LinkedIn short description reads helping you become a better technician. What's that mission mean to you? Well, I see a lot. I, I talk to a lot of people out there from people that are in school trying to just get a degree to the person who really is almost in the same shoes that we, you know, we were in and you were in probably early on is you know, they realize they need a little more skill to get to that next level. So I know there's a lot of people out there that really, you know, aim for that company level of, hey, we can help your company get to the next level. But we like to say, okay, if you're if you're a mechanical technician and you're looking over there thinking, man, these electricians have it easy. Well, first, they don't have that easy. But if you think they do, then we'll help you get there. Or the electrician who says, you know, I almost know how to fix this machine. If I just knew how that mysterious PLC that the programmer has to come in and work on work, I think I could figure it out. Then we help you get to that point. Maybe not the point that you can write a program, but okay, now I can go in and I can find that sensor that I need changed in the middle of the night and get the machine back running, which of course equates to hopefully your boss being more happy with you and getting you a little more money or the next promotion. I love it. You know, I, um, 
I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I read a book about it a few years ago, but just that the future of education is, is going to largely lie in the hands of the employers and, and the individuals to go seek those things out. It's, it's happening so much more these days while people are in their jobs, like, you know, to help them figure out how to do it, than relying on a more traditional education. And yes. um, I think what you're, you're doing here is a, a prime example of making that happen. Tim, you, you recently told me that a lot of people are fearful about automation. Why do you think that is? Well, I recently put out a video and I won't even mention the video. You probably can go find it. But it was it was one that was my reaction really to the media's reaction of an incident that had happened. And reading through the comments may have been the biggest realization of it because I had more quotes about Terminator and all these other movies where the robots take over the world. And I, I believe that you know, partially we have a social media issue that, you know, the general public doesn't know what we do. I mean, we're, we're these mysterious people in these buildings with no windows and yeah, we are concocting all of these crazy things. But yeah, I, I was surprised at the comments of people who really, I mean, and genuinely, I think, do believe that we are an ed, we're on the edge of Terminator coming, which simply isn't going to happen. And of course, we have the group that really thinks that automation takes jobs. And, you know, I, I can't say enough that automation, it just, it improves jobs. I mean, I have never seen a job have never seen automation be done on a job that was not hazardous, was not miserable. You know, we improve jobs, you know, so we, we help you get to the point where you're, instead of, you know, doing that grunt work, you can be the smart person that operates the robot. And we also can extend quality of life. And I, th I think we're going to, and here's where I'm really excited. I think we're going to see some extensions of quality of life in people's personal surroundings that'll really help them kind of get into get warmed up to automation. I mean, for example, Boston Dynamics. They're doing some great things that I think are really going to help with, you know, assisted living facilities. But also, you know, let's say we have somebody who has the brain power they need to do a task and they love their job, but their body just can't do it anymore. Well, we can put a cobot beside of them or automate that hard part of their task and keep them, you know, happy at their job. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, the other thing that's become very clear to me from all the conversations I've had and uh, clients we've worked with over the last few years is that there are, there are not enough people out there to do the jobs anyway. And so, yeah. you know, to, to think that you're going to survive in the future without touching automation in some capacity is, is almost just silly at this point. And, you know, it's a, it's a matter of, um, you know, getting out ahead of that at this point and figuring what you figuring out what you can do before everybody else beats you to it, frankly. Yes. Tim, as somebody who trains others, how do you make sure that you stay ahead of the curve with your own learning? Well, I always say my students probably do more to teach me than I do to teach them. And that's part of you know, how our training works, you know, we are not, you know, our training for one, we only have eight people. And there's a reason there's only eight people in this room is it's not a lecture. 
we, I am not an authority on anything. What I do is I put people into situations that they're going to run into out in the field. And chances are between those eight people, they already know how to get through it. So a lot of it is getting them to share what is going on at their plants. And so all of a sudden, you know, they'll ask a question that were it's like, you know, I don't know the answer to that. When I never act like I know the answer to that. I'll tell them, hey, you know, I don't know that, but I bet I'll be up all night tonight and I will tell you tomorrow or I will I will make a setup for us to figure that out tomorrow. So by far, you know, my students are a big one that keep me up to date. I also, I do answer a lot of viewer questions. Unfortunately, I don't answer all the viewer questions anymore because we get way more questions than one person could answer if they were full-time at it for the whole week. But I do still pick selective questions where it's like, wow, that one is challenging and just, you know, help them through it. I mean, there's no charge or anything, really. It's just something I do. And yeah, part of it is just to kind of keep my brain kind of pushing it to see what's the next thing. Okay, let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Mary, take it away. Yes, so I'm Peyton Warren. And I'm Mary Keough. Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live. Right now, we have a group of 50 plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations. We meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter. Every session has a designated topic. And one of our team members at Gorilla76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to get better at a manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more. After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses. This is pure value, no cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience. Oh, and on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where our attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together all week long between sessions. We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register. We'd love to see you there. What do you have to say about careers in the trades, Tim? Oh, well, you know I love careers in the trades because I preach them all the time. Um, and, you know, there's a couple of things I love about the trades is I don't know a lot of people really miserable in it, <laughs> you know. And part of it is, well, part of it is because I think the trades are awesome, but also... I tell people all the time, you know, we have vertical movement in the trades, but we also have horizontal movement in the trades. I, you know, I really probably was not cut out for machining and I was probably not cut out to move up to a mechanical engineer in the end. While I could do it, I didn't feel that passion that I feel for control. So really, yeah, I was in that mechanical part and it's like, I don't think this is for me. Why do I have to leave this whole career and, you know, go get a degree in accounting or go to a degree in something else. Really, I can look over and be like, okay, now what do I got to do to shift over? 
And it's surprising the people that I, in fact, I would say well over half the people in this industry are not doing what their degree was intended for, or, you know, however they entered, whether it's a technical degree, a trade school or whatever, you know, there's a lot of horizontal movement to make you happy. Tim, when you and I were talking recently, you mentioned that you've had students ranging from 20 to 60 some years old. Is it a situation where it's never too late to get started? I would say that, yeah, there's never, it's never too late. Now I do have to, I have to be, I have to be realistic. You know, there are, you know, skills or there are requirements in some jobs that, yeah, okay, at 60, you may not want to do some, you know, some of the more laborious work, but I get calls often from people, I'll say, especially in their fifties that are, you know, they're, they're comfortable, but they're like, you know, I think I'm ready for a second career. I've, you know, done such and such for a good amount of time. And I, I'm interested in this automation. Now, initially with interest in this automation, I will not take them as a student. I will actually guide them through. I'll put them in an online course and be like, okay, here is, here's a course for free to help you through your interest. Now, call me if you decide at the end of this, that, yeah, this is a career change you want. And it is surprising the ones that end up coming and they end up changing careers. And yeah, you know, we've had, I, my oldest one, I believe was, 64, 66, I can't remember now. And, you know, but he was in a situation, he was in a more laborious part of this industry and he had a knee injury. And he's like, you know, my knees just aren't going to hold up to this anymore. But, I, you know, I'm too young to retire still. And so, yeah, he, he called on quick and, you know, he, I, I, he is doing a great job at, you know, troubleshooting machines during startup and commissioning. And, you know, the younger students are actually probably the ones that, um, you know, I really have a passion for, not that I don't have a passion for the older students, but, you know, they are the future of the industry. And so I do, you know, look at them and, you know, try to make sure they're making good decisions because a lot of times, you know, I, you know, I have somebody that says, well, all right, I, you know, I got a mechanical degree. I think I need to come to your class and get PLC programming also. And I'm like, okay, well, why do you need it exactly? You know, and it's like, all right, why don't you get some experience and, you know, figure out what you're really passionate about? Because that's, that's really the key. If I can get somebody at 20 to really get into their passion, then it's like, wow, they're going to have a, you know, a great life. Tim, as a marketing guy, I can't help but notice that one thing you've done really well that a lot of people in the industrial sector have not done really well is build an audience for yourself. You've got 40 some thousand YouTube subscribers. You've got 18,000 LinkedIn followers, which is about three X what I have. Um, how have you managed to create such a large following and talk a little bit about what the impact of that has been for your business? Well, I would love to say that I have the perfect marketing, um, uh, mixture for that, but I would say it was mostly accidental. <laughs> so we started out on YouTube making how-tos for our products because really a lot of our, pro you know, video was, was on the fringes then, but we realized, hey, it's a lot easier to show someone how to use something with a video than a 10-page instruction manual. So that's really where it started out at. And it, then we um, had a guy ask us a question one time of, can we, could we make a video on control panels that wasn't so boring? And really, 
I mean, our content, you know, you think our content's dry now in our industry. <laughs> our content was really dry at that point. So I made what everybody now calls the Dancing Lady Control Panel video, which now I think has 300,000 or so views. And it changed the way I, I portrayed myself online because all of a sudden it's like, okay, we can cut up a little bit and still put information forward. You know, we don't have to share where that stuff, we don't have to share that with that professional. And yeah, if we do a little bit of the different, then, you know, we can start connecting. So I started building some other series out, and, you know, and as far as like subscribers, I always tell people, you know, I had, I don't know, maybe 8,000 subscribers before I knew where to check that out. So part of it is, I, I believe in the end, you need to put out good content that a user would want to consume. You don't put out content to promote your products directly. You don't put out content to, you know, with the intention of really growing an audience. You put out content that they want and, you know, your audience will start growing. Um, that's kind of kind of where we started at. Now we may have a little more strategy now than we did then, but still we don't have a tremendous amount. Really, we listen to our audience and see what they want, see what they need. Well, you can scream that from the top of the mountain, as far as I'm concerned. I mean that that's uh, pretty some pretty much sums up what we we preach all the time. It's just folk. If you really understand who you're trying to reach and what matters to those people, and you can be the best possible resource to them you're going to earn attention and you're going to build trust and it's going to uh, have an impact on your reputation and people will share your content. And there's just this massive snowball effect that comes from that when a lot of and most companies out there are just pushing product and talking about themselves and nobody's listening, not until, you know, they have a reason to listen. Absolutely. You know, I was just having a discussion the other day and I would really, you know, somebody may call me out on this and say, I did. But in the 500 or so videos that I have, I would say less than 10 of them actually mention our company name. Mm. Now, we're just real, you know, I kind of have their, you know, signature, it's not as much now, but usually it's something like, hi, this is Tim. Like, I want to be the regular guy that looks like you that's out here trying to work on this. And so really, I, you know, I don't, you know, they will figure out who you are if you are putting out good content. And all of a sudden, every time they're searching for something, they're going to be like, oh, there's that person again. I know that, you know, they they give me good, valuable answers when I need them. Absolutely. I, I think you're spot on. Um, and I think that human element that you've hit on a few times here is just so important. People want to work with people that they actually like, right? It's just, that's yeah. a real thing. I mean, so many people in manufacturing talk about, they push back on, various technology, uh, because, you know, Zoom meetings even, or, you know, uh, not, they always talk about how being in a room with somebody is, is what matters, but you can emulate a lot of those things that happen to, you know, capture the attention and start to earn trust with people and then open up the door to those real in-person conversations. So um, I, I love the way that you've been able to leverage content and especially video content to really scale visibility for you. I, I imagine it's been a, a big part of what's helped you grow and be successful. Yeah. And when talking about the human element, you know, I think the thing that people miss is it's okay to make mistakes. Mm. You know, your videos don't need to be perfect. It's okay to make a video talking about a mistake you made. 
You know, that's not going to make someone look down upon you as a company because obviously you could have hidden that mistake. So the fact that you are bringing out, and usually for me, I bring out mistakes that I've made to hopefully prevent someone else from making the same mistake. But they realize it's like, okay, this guy's looking out for me. He's not just trying to make himself look like that top-notch company. Well, Tim, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything I did not ask you about that you'd like to add to the conversation? I don't know if there's anything I really would have had you ask. And the only thing I would like to relay to your audience, especially since you know they are the big decision makers of companies, is invest in your people. Invest in that training to take them to the next level because you are going to get your investment back tenfold on your people. Love that. Great way to, to sort of sum it up here. Well, Tim, thanks for doing this today. Um, can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about TW Controls? You can go to twcontrols.com. Simple enough. And go find Tim, Tim Wilborn on LinkedIn as well. Tim publishes amazing content and uh, he's well worth the follow. So Tim, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. You bet. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.